This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So, Bree, I remember this one time I was in a bike race around Tucson, and uh, I wasn't paying attention. We were riding down 4th Avenue, and there's railroad tracks, like street track tracks, and my bike's tire like went and wedged in to the railroad tracks, no. and I totally fell down and just like skinned my hands, everything. Ugh. I had nothing with me, nothing at all. And it's that times where you want a first aid product and you have nothing. And <laughs> active skin repair utilizes a molecule called hypochlorous acid. When applied to the skin, the molecule works by mimicking the natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. I've used it on my son's mosquito bites, and I wish I would have had it the time I totally scraped up my hands. Oh, I hear you. Like whenever I go paddleboarding, kayaking, I'm always trying to find something that is like an all-in-one that I can take with me. And active skin repair could be used like that. It can be used to treat cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, which makes it suitable for all skin types, all parts of the body, like eczema and acne-prone skin, all of that. With over 500,000 happy customers, thousands of five-star reviews, and ingredients so safe and clean they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest, you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order. Use code NOGUILT. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom podcast. I am your host, Joanne Crone, joined here by my co-host, Brie Tucker. Why, hello, hello, everybody. How are you on this lovely, lovely October day? We have a fantastic <laughs> guest for you today. It's Elle Cosimano. She is the author of Finley Donovan is Killing It. Oh, no, I need to say it. That's how I pronounce it. It's Finley. Finley Donovan is Killing It. Or is it Finlay? Fin- oh, I think it's Finley. Finley. Okay, you could you guys could just like tell me if I pronounce it wrong. Pronouncing names. Either way, she's killing it. That's she's all that matters. Killing it. Mispronouncing names is like the hugest fear of mine ever. I don't know. It like stops me right there, and I'm like, oh my gosh, did I mispronounce someone's name? I mispronounce people's names all the time. That I just immediately go to apologizing. But I think part of it too is like people mispronounce my name all the time. Yeah. So I'm just like, yeah, yeah. I guess people mispronounce my name. They call me Julianne, but I'm like, it's Joanne. Really? But I get Julie. A lot of people do it. Maybe it's the way I say it. I don't know. It's okay. I get Marie <laughs> a lot. People call it like if, oh. I, if they don't see my name because my name is Brie. And if I don't articulate well, it ends up being Marie often. Yeah. But when they look at it, I get Brianna. That's a big one I get. And I don't like that one. Or Bri. And yeah. I'm like, really? You don't see the E? Yeah, but Elle anyway. is amazing. Yes. And the way we found her is I'm in this Facebook group called Peloton Moms Book Club, which is like the best Facebook group ever because all we do is talk about books and I love books. But every single person in this book club was recommending this book, Finley Donovan is Killing It. And I read it and it is so good. Like if you need a great escape read with some mystery and some drama all about like a woman who is doing the best she can and divorced and yet she falls into like this spy 
right? It's so good. I love it. It's I so, loved it. So good. And so we reached out to Ellen. She agreed to come on and talk to us. So she is the award-winning author of Finley Donovan is Killing It. She's a homeschooling mom of two teens, and she writes mysteries and thrillers for adults and young adults. And her oldest son is getting ready to leave for college. Uh, he's already there because it's the fall. And we're going to talk to her all about living abroad. She lived in Mexico for a bit. Which I found fascinating. And writing and being a writer and all the things. So we hope you enjoy our episode with Elle. If you love listening to No Guilt Mom and how we tell it like it is and help you let go of the guilt, you might just love the Shameless Mom Academy, a top-rated podcast for moms who are looking to rebuild and maybe even totally reinvent their identity around motherhood. Yes, you have got to join Mindset and Leadership Coach and good friend of ours, Sarah Dean, every Monday and Wednesday as she and her guests dig deep into topics that help you create the confidence that you are craving, how to turn your struggles into those big, strong strengths, and how to build better boundaries, as well as how to make more time just for you every damn day. Sarah is known for her uncanny ability to speak truth to power, as if she lives inside your head. She'll make you laugh, she may make you cry, and she will definitely inspire you to take action in your life. So you have got to go check out the Shameless Mom Academy. It is anywhere that you listen to the No Guilt Mom podcast, and we have a link in our show notes. You want mom life to be easier. That's our goal too. Our mission is to raise more self-sufficient and independent kids, and we're going to have fun doing it. We're going to help you delegate and step back. Each episode, we'll tackle strategies for positive discipline, making our kids more responsible and making our lives better in the process. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom Podcast. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom podcast, Elle. We're like we're so excited to have you here because we are both big fans of your book. Finley Donovan is killing it, and just yes. to be able to talk with you, it's such a joy. So welcome, welcome. Thank you. I am so excited to be here. I love chatting with Finley fans, so this is great fun for any of our listeners who have not read Finley Donovan is killing it and you need a really good escape read that is like thrilling oh my gosh we totally recommend it oh you so have to like that was that was one that like I did the audible on that and I just could not wait for my kids to get out of the car so I could listen to more yeah (laughs) only and it's not that I couldn't listen to it with my kids they're teenagers they talk they talk yeah what are you what's going on and I'm like shut up I'm listening The audio, the audio is fantastic. And the actress Angela Daw did such an amazing job capturing the characters. I had a fabulous time listening to it. It was great fun. (laughs) So for those of our listeners who don't know you, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Well, I am El Casamano. I'm an award-winning uh, mystery and thriller author, uh, novels for adults and young adults. And I am also a mom to two fabulous teenage boys. And so that's more or less what's keeping me busy. That it, it's a lot. I mean, teenagers, especially it's a lot. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, our yeah, kids we, are just becoming teenagers. Yeah. And we're like, Okay. I have a 12 and a 14 year old, almost 13 and 14 year old. And oh man, those hormones, they never stop. Oh yeah. 
Oh, yeah. But, you know, they're so much fun, too. They're kind of at this great cusp where they're just on the cusp of adulthood. And so you can communicate with them in a very different way than when they were little. Oh, yeah. And I have such a great time getting to know them now as young adults. It's been really fun. I love getting into the deeper conversations. Like, you know, there's like recently when we had the election earlier in the year, it was just like talking about, oh, well, there's this thought process. Why do you think that? And just hearing their like, their process. Mm-hmm. And especially with my son, he's like, well, I heard this on a YouTube ad. So then I researched it and then I found this and then I found that. And I'm like, oh my he, goodness, he, look at you. He researched. It look was good. You. It was good. They have so many resources we never had growing up. And it's so fun, just like you said, to kind of watch and get familiar with their process and how they explore their world. Their, you know, the information that they have at their fingertips is just unbelievable. And it's, um, it's been fun watching them grow up and become big people. Yeah. Now, L, you kind of have, you have a job and a life that I think many people aspire to. Like they have this dream and this vision of like being a writer and staying at home with your kids. And I know from a little bit of experience that it's not quite like the ideal dream that everybody says it is, but tell us a little bit about like, how did you start writing and like, how did that fit in with your family? Yeah. Well, I I was in real estate sales and marketing for many years. I think over a span of probably close to 14 years that I was um, selling and marketing homes. And that was my full-time gig. That was, you know, that was my career. And I never had an inkling that I would ever become an author or pursue writing as a, as a career that never seemed like an option for me. And I sort of, you know, my family likes to joke that it was my midlife crisis, (laughs) my, my big, my big career change that it was very clear to me that I was on happy in my career. I was very good at it. I was making a great living at it. It was supporting our family, but I wasn't feeling that sense of fulfillment. And I was at a really kind of, you know, a tough place where I was thinking, you know, am I, is this really what I want to be doing for the rest of my life? And it was my mom who encouraged me to take a sabbatical from work and pursue writing a novel just for myself, just, you know, to, to try to kind of fulfill that void I was feeling at that time. My kids were, my kids were pretty little. This was about 10 years ago. And so they were all in, they were in elementary school and, and life was very hectic and my job was very demanding. And I was feeling, you know, like I, I wasn't as available for them as I would have liked to have been. I was, I was gone a lot showing homes and weekends were, you know, were not, it wasn't possible to spend nights and weekends with them, which is, you know, when they're home and and they were needing me. And so I ended up taking a two month sabbatical to draft a novel for just for myself. And I had such a great time doing it. And I, you know, I came back from that trip. My mom and dad were living in Mexico. They're retired in Mexico at the time. And I spent the summer down there with the kids. And my mom helped watch the boys while I took some time to write the book. And um, I came home from that trip and my husband was so relieved. He said, you're going back to work. And I said, you know, I I don't know. I really, I enjoyed this. I, I feel really good about it. And he said, well, are you any good at it? And I said, you know, I just don't know the answer to that question. And he said, well, how do we find out? And that was kind of the beginning of the journey, you know, was trying to figure out, can I do this well enough to make a living at it? And what would a living writing look like? And it was so vastly different from, you know, what I'd been doing before. A lot of people have very different ideas of what it means to be a full-time writer. What does that career look like? What do our workspaces look like? What what do our paychecks look like? And the, the reality is that for most of us, we can't afford to do this 
on a single income full time. Mm-hmm. The vast majority of writers are doing this part time with a, a full time job that pays the bills and supports, you know, the family, unless they're dual earners in the home that kind of make that more possible. And and thankfully, I was in that situation where my husband was able to kind of balance the load while I made that transition Mm -hmm. to trying to pursue this as a career. And I'm very, very thankful that I had a lot of support, family support that made that possible. But it it was a huge, huge change to go from you know, that full-time, you know, real estate career woman Mm -hmm. to hunkering down and drafting novels that I wasn't even sure were going to sell. That's so funny that you said you were a real estate career woman, because I always like, I'm I'm thinking back to Finley Donovan is killing it. And you have like kind of the struggle that Finley's going through as a writer, how she got really like small (gasps) checks. Mm -hmm. But then the other woman is a real estate person. (laughs) Right. You know, it's, they always say, write what you know. And so, you know, the world of real estate and real estate in Northern Virginia was intimately familiar to me. I did it for many years, but it's also kind of a neat way to contrast those two people and those two identities that at the time when I was drafting this, I, you know, I was still, you know, are still fresh in my mind that that person that I was and this person that I am, you know, solidly becoming. And so it was, it was fun to, almost poke fun at myself and my career and my industry, both of my industries, and use that as kind of a launching pad for a character arc in terms of Finley's growth through the story, a little behind the scenes. Hey, all, it is Joanne and Bree here, and we want to tell you about a podcast that you should check out. It's called Understood Explained. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Uturbe, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And in this latest season of Understood Explains, it covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. We actually just listened to the episode, IEPs, Does My Child Need an IEP? And here is what we loved about it. I loved that it was so digestible. Like it was such a short episode and all of the topics, which could be really confusing to parents, were easily explained. And I loved how they gave great concrete examples because you know how much I love me a good example. They explained what kind of services and supports you could actually see on a child's IEP or individual education plan. And they explained those acronyms that nothing drives me more crazy than when there's acronyms and I don't get it. I don't know what it stands for. They took the time to explain everything in so much detail and to cover concerns that a lot of families have about special ed services. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains, or just click on the link in our show notes. Shout out to Clarendon for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Hey guys, Brie here. And let me tell you, April is a killer time of the year for me because it is crazy allergy season. I swear, everything that is in bloom looks fantastic and beautiful, but it makes it so I can't breathe. I am literally coughing, sneezing, rubbing my nose. I look like Rudolph half of the spring. It's terrible. But luckily for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies like I do, we live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients and just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms 
and decongest your nose so you can finally breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine is the best decongestant available. It relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy, watery eyes, itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. I absolutely love it. It is the only allergy medicine that works for me. So if you're ready to live life as if you don't have allergies, it's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just one quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. I love that. I love seeing the connections between the authors and then what they write because there's always like I did something not put that in fiction. Oh, now I see what you're saying. Yeah. But, okay. But I also love how you talked about how it's not what everybody envisions, because I think many of us envision a writing life as being so freeing and, and like Hemingway who like, you know, lived abroad and, and like they romanticize it in the media of like, you know, you're sitting on a beach and you're writing or I, I would imagine like when I was reading your bio that you have lived in Mexico, I'm like, oh, she must have lived in this beautiful beachfront property and like, <laughs> you know, gorgeous million dollar home and was writing and just every day was just loosey goosey and so relaxed. And I thought that wasn't the reality, huh? No, not at all. <laughs> you know, it's so funny because when I tell people this story, they they kind of shake their head. When I first started writing, we were doing very, very well. Real estate was, you know, a very lucrative career for me. And we knew we were going to have to make some huge financial sacrifices to make this work. And so to make a long story super short, we sold everything we owned. And what did not fit in the back of a station wagon, including my 80 pound dog, you know, was not coming with us. We each had one suitcase of clothes and a suitcase of precious things that we were not willing to part with. Mm -hmm. And we made the eight day drive from Washington, D.C. all around um, Mexico to the Yucatan Peninsula. And we ended up living very close to Tulum and Playa del mm -hmm. Carmen for six years. But when we got there, we came with almost nothing. And we made the decision to live very, very simply. And I think part of that was a desire to, to show our children a simpler way of life um, and to appreciate our family more. We wanted to have our goals were more time as a family, a simpler way of life, and for me to be able to pursue something I loved. And those were the three goals when we got down there. And, you know, it was the probably the best decision we ever made it as a family. And I have no regrets at all, even though we've returned to the United States, but we were living in a thatch roof hut more or less with a small enclosure for our bedrooms. My wow. kitchen was outside. My dining room was outside. We got tarantulas. We got snakes. We got pumas. We got, you know, we got all manner of wildlife and critters. I'd wake up in the morning. It was always a mystery what I was going to find roaming about my kitchen. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, yeah. And we were, um, we lived very, very simply, you know, my youngest child spent six years barefoot you know, roam in the jungle and the beach. And we spend a lot of time in a very small space as a very close family. And it was awesome. But there was a lot of work too. And so when everyone else was out at the beach, have, you know, partying, there were times when I was locked away trying to meet deadlines. And it was a combination of big financial sacrifice and lots and lots of work. Mm -hmm. And eventually that career slowly started to to form into something that we could 
we could call a, a full-time sustainable career. How old were your kids when you did that move? Five and eight. That's some young young kids to pick up everything and go. So that's amazing. They're they're hugely resilient at that age. Yeah. I was going to say, how did they adjust to that? The big the change in culture. It was awesome. So they both for a short time attended an international school that had a focus on arts and handcrafts and languages and world cultures. And so my oldest came away completely fluent in Spanish and bilingual and my my youngest is getting there. He still studies, but they met kids from all over the world and learned a life and a culture that is distinctly different from, you know, anything they would have experienced here. They became tremendously adaptable. They learned to live in a lot of, you know, um, without a lot of luxuries that they had here. And it was, it was a fantastic experience for them at that age. It was almost perfect. And they, they came away from that with a real um, sense of gratitude and appreciation and a resilience that I admire. They're just, they're becoming great adults. And I think it was part of a result of that experience. So I remember before you said when your husband like saw your first draft of the manuscript and he asked, well, how do we find out if you're good at it? I imagine part of that was the the moving to Mexico and pursuing it full time. So you didn't have anything, but like, what else did you do to find out you were good at it? So the first step to becoming traditionally published in most senses involves finding a literary agent, someone who's willing to represent and champion your work to publishers. And in order to kind of get to that process, I I signed myself up for uh, writing conferences where I knew there were going to be editors or agents there who could provide critical feedback. Someone who I could kind of present a portion of my work to, and they would come back at me and say, yeah, there's something here you could work with, but here's what you need to do. Or yeah, maybe we should go back to selling houses. You know? oh. um, and so I was very, very fortunate. I went to a writer's workshop where there were agents and editors working in small close groups with the writers, the aspiring writers who were there. And I got some great feedback that encouraged me to keep going. So the next step for me was querying or submitting samples of my work to literary agents to try to find someone who would champion my projects. And after a year of, you know, behind closed doors, kind of rewriting and retooling and reworking that first project, we were finally able to go out on submission to publishers with it. So it was a kind of a long exercise in trying to get my feet under me. It was such a different skill than anything I'd done before. And I had no Mm -hmm. formal training. Did you experience a lot of rejection during that process? Yes. Oh, yes. And I think we still do. I think that's an ongoing part of being an author. And, you know, kind of tying that back to motherhood, it's one of the things that I love most is that my children get to see me fail. That's what I was going to say. Like the gifts you gave Mm -hmm. them in this whole process of follow your dreams, believe in yourself supporting each other, the importance, I mean, like that relationship that you and your husband have where he was like, okay, I'm scared, but let's try it, you know, and like supporting in that movement and your kids getting to see that persistence is what works. That That's just so amazing. Yeah. I mean, they've, they've learned a lot of life lessons watching me fail forward through this process. So, you know, with every rejection, I was very open about it. I told them when, you know, when I got rejection letters or when I sent a manuscript and my editor was like, nope, we got to start all over and I got to start the book from scratch. My kids were all part of that process. And it was important to me that they understand that you, you can always bounce back from that. 
but that I always found joy in it too. It was, it was a stumbling block, but it was never a dead end. And it was important for me that they pick up those lessons that uh, through their life, they're going to hit a wall and they're going to have to find a way around it or through it, you know, if they want to get to, you know, a goal or, or a place in their life that they want to be. And so it was important to me that they see how I did that and bounced back and kept going and continued to try to find joy in it, even through the difficult times. Are there times now where you watch your kids and you see them using the lessons that you taught them about rejection and failing forward? I love pointing out when they are and be, because, you know, they never like to admit mom is right about anything. No, That's of course part not. Of having teenagers. No. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's funny now when they sit down to write an essay for English class or to do a project for school or whatever it is. And they, they find that they get feedback back from a teacher and they did something wrong or they got to start again, or it didn't quite come together. And then they've got to go back and revise. I was like, well, you know, you've seen me doing it for years. This is all part of, you know, Vision is part of life. Regardless of your career, there's always something that we mess up that we got to go back and fix or change or do better. And it's Mm -hmm. just part of the process. You know, you mentioned before we started recording that your oldest is going to be graduating high school here next week. Mm -hmm. Does he have any idea? Like, is he going to, uh, does he have interest in in writing or, or what is he thinking he wants to do as his next step? Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky, wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking It. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. You know, neither of my kids are um, expressing interest in writing. They all have an appreciation for it. And they're all storytellers in their own right, just through different mediums, which I find Uh fascinating. Uh They're both very creative storytellers, but neither one of them want to write. But it's always been important to me that they understand that I will support them no matter what 
career path they choose. I want them to pick something that makes them feel fulfilled. And I want them to, you know, work hard enough at it that they commit themselves to it 100%. Those are the two things that are most important to me, regardless of what they choose to do. And they're so different. My oldest is going to be going off to college next year. And he is going to be studying creative technologies and game game design. And he's a he's very good with computers and, and he loves the story elements and games and and how those come together. My youngest is just super creative and loves the anatomies of storytelling. He's he's very astute, but he hates to pick up a pen and doesn't like to write. So I'll be very curious to see where he takes that skill, what direction. But he's he's my naturalist, my my biologist. So we'll see um, wow. which direction he goes. I think any job where you find that that creative outlet is a happy, mm-hmm. it's a happy place. Wherever to be. you can find the place where it's what you love to do and what you're good at, then yeah. like your whole world opens up. Yeah. Any job where I have just paperwork, not breeze fit. No. It's, it's <laughs> got to be creativity to it. It's got to be, be something. So what do you have coming up Elle, that you're excited about? So many things, you know, personally, I'm sending my oldest child off to college, which is both terrifying, but also thrilling at the same time. I'm super proud of him, but I'm also, I'm also anticipating going through a lot of tissues when I take him off to school. So we're, we're both excited and, and also a little weepy as we think through what we have coming up in that regard. And my youngest and I are, he's an explorer. And I think he and I are going to spend some time over the next three years while I have him at home doing a little cross-country exploring. So we're going to go try to see some national parks. We're going to go hit the road. While I'm out there, I'm going to try to stop and meet with readers and and visit some bookstores. We're going to try to, we're going to see the Grand Canyon and the national parks and have an adventure. That's our state, Grand Canyon. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm super excited about that professionally, I've got a lot going on. I've got my next young adult fantasy is coming out on June 8th, Seasons of Chaos, and that's the sequel to Seasons of the Storm. And so that's super exciting. And the next book in the Finley Donovan is Killing It series comes out on February 1st. I love it. That's Finley Donovan knocks them dead. And I'm super excited about that. And we just signed a contract for two more books um, in the Finley Donovan series. So Finley Donovan three and four um, on the burn for 2023 and 2024. I can't wait. So exciting because you left us on kind of a cliffhanger at the end of Finley Donovan. (laughs) It's killing it. And you're like, what is that? (laughs) So I'm super excited. I'm super excited. Thank you so much, Elle, for coming on uh, the podcast and joining us. It's been a joy. I am so glad to be here. Thank you so much. It was great seeing you both. So I was so excited when I opened my Kindle app the other day and I saw Elle's next book, Finley Donovan Knocks Him Dead. The cover is there on Kindle. It is getting ready to pre-order. Yes, yes. Okay, so first of all, again, we just have to give a shout out for Finley Donovan is Killing It. It was just a phenomenal, easy fun read. I think that no matter where you are in your mommy life, you will be able to relate to parts of it and just mm-hmm. laugh your booty off. And she has a whole series now that she, she has got a whole, a whole series. series ordered. So we're getting ready for the second book, which is amazing because Finley is one of those characters as a reader that you're just like, oh, like you're sad when the book ends because you've loved spending the time with them. And so when I found out from Elle that it was going to be a series and it's kind of evident, like read the first book. It's evident there's oh, yeah. more coming. But I was so happy because it's it's amazing. It's fun and amazing. I really love her. I can't recommend the book enough. 
Yes. So uh, that chat with Elle was so much fun. I was mainly drawn to, I wanted to hear about what goes on in your brain that makes you go, hmm, let's just up everything. Let's just uproot everything and go from our, you know, suburban home in the Washington, D.C. area and just go move to Mexico. Uh-huh. Let's just go try that. She's and, adventurous. Right. And when they went out there, like that wasn't even just like going and moving to like a casita or something like they were living in the jungle pretty much out mm-hmm. there. The life that those kids, the experiences that they got to have and then her talking about trying to write while out there. And all the fears that she had. And you were also relating to how she was talking about sometimes like she was like, I just don't know if I want to write. Yeah, it's fun. It's funny as a writer. You it's a hard thing. It's an emotional thing. And it takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of struggle to write. And I was like, yeah, I've been there. I don't know if I want to write sometimes either. (laughs) I, I think it's interesting that for those of us that haven't done something, especially when we see things that are creative, I think that sometimes society we can just sort of like one off it like oh well you know they're just born to do it it's got to be so so easy easy to write it's Mm got to be so easy to create art like it's got to be so easy to do that stuff and no it takes a lot it takes a lot and you have to be willing to like put your crap out there before you get to like really good stuff and that's something I love about writing that I didn't know about it to begin with I thought I was a horrible writer like when I was in college whenever and I realized that You just have to get your thoughts on the page and then the real like good stuff comes in revising and it comes in going over it. And it's like, oh, no, like that's not the way to say it. This is what I meant. And you just go through and you reread your stuff and you're like, oh, no, I'm going to change this. And pretty soon you've shaped it to be this thing where, oh, my gosh, these are the feelings I have. And now it's right there on the page. It's so cool. That takes a lot of patience. It does. I don't think all of us have. It's a lot of stepping away. Like I want to throw my computer at the wall multiple times every time I write or like (laughs) when it's not coming easily, like you just like, okay, I got to take a break and uh, come back to it later. And it's always better later. But yeah, it's very it's a frustrating process. But if you know that you're supposed to be frustrated and that means you're doing it right, it's fine. Yeah. So so we have to highly suggest that you go out and you pre-order Elle's new book. It is Finley Donovan Knocks Him Dead. Yes. And, and coming out February. Get, get Finley Donovan is killing it as well. And hey, if you are like thinking, oh my gosh, it's so cool they get to talk to authors. We had Elle in our balance coaching program for moms. Like come and join us in balance and you get access and you get to meet all of these amazing people that we interview on the podcast and ask them questions of your own. So just keep that in mind because balance is cool. And until next time, remember the best mom's a happy mom. Take care of you. We'll talk to you later. Thanks so much for stopping by. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. 
you get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.